S O so what how did you get in to M A D Mad Mad Magazine. Yeah, how kid? did you get into you Mad Magazine? You read about magazine? that on the internet? Yes, he did. Oh, cool. Uh, how about you ask me that on the show? We are on like, the show. Oh, we're on the show now? Yes. Oh, this is so cool, man. We were already talking. That's so groovy. Hi. Okay, how did I get into Mad Magazine when I was a little kid? Yes. I was lucky. I was best friends. My earliest friend in life was a kid named Larry Weingart, who's in New York City now. Uh, and uh, I knew him, he was lived about three doors down from me in New Rochelle, New York, in a very integrated neighborhood, about half black and half various white people kind. Mm -hmm. And um, Larry's family was very friendly with a guy named Dave Berg. Remember him? He had a strip called The Lighter Side of dot dot dot. Yes. Yes, yes. big time yes, yeah. And um, yeah, and, and so I was over at Larry's house as a little kid and La Dave Berg had seen me there probably a couple or a few times. And we ended up, um, he, Larry told me some months later, hey, guess what? You made it into Dave's, uncle, my Uncle Dave's um, uh, strip. You know, I never actually saw it. Wow. It was after, I don't know, something happened. Like it might, you know, and I just never saw it. Or maybe I did see it, but then I never saw it again. I don't know how the heck I ever got out of that without having my own copy. It, for whatever bizarre reason, that's very unusual for me. I don't, but I was supposedly, there was a guy based on me. But the other kid looked just like my friend because he was an old kind of, quote, nephew, as in Maui or in Hawaii we call it Hanai nephew or an adoptive nephew, mm -hmm. you know, family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's how. That's how I got into Mad Magazine, which was amazing because I was, uh, you know, a huge little kid fan of Mad Magazine. That was holy stuff for me. Like the... Every B oh like everybody. Like everybody who's right. 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 I mean all the people I knew. <laughs> right. That's great. What? I love Mad Men. Oh um Alfred. Paul Krasner. Paul Krasner. He's been a guest on the show a uh -huh. couple of times. I just wrote to Paul asking him to tune in to the Food Not Bombs tour for you know yeah, that'd be yeah. great. If if you guys like what you hear tonight about Food Not Bombs and you're friends with Paul, I want to get support from everybody I can to publicize this. Yeah, it's really, really amazing story, and it's growing, and it's us. We're the ones who are doing it. You did not, you did F R A D I. Radio uh, in M Maui? No, in M A S Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I was part of a station called WCUW. Should I talk to the camera at all or just to use better conversation? Talk to Frank. Frank, yeah. yeah. Right on, um, Frank. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, I was part of a station called WCUW FM in Worcester, Massachusetts. I am. I was in N O R T North Northampton? No, North, North. Okay. F 
I E Field Northfield. I think I've heard of Northfield, but when I was living there, I was a college student mostly, and I tended to stick around mostly around. But I think I remember Northfield. Was that like near toward Amherst? Or like toward Boston more? Or somewhere near Worcester, I guess. Central Mass, probably somewhere. G R E E Green. Greenfield? Yes. Greenfield, near Greenfield. right? Near Greenfield. That's yeah. beautiful, man. On the way up toward the Berkshires, up toward like Williams and like Lennox, right? And like toward there, right? I Greenfield had a lot of soy foods made there for a while. One of the pioneering soy dairies was in Greenfield. It was called, I forget what it was called, but yeah. Actually, that's where Food Not Bombs got a lot of their, I believe they got a lot of their early contributions, bulk contributions, was maybe from that soy dairy up in Greenfield. Because I know they got locally produced soy foods contributed in bulk a lot to the early Food Not Bombs days, and probably still to this day, regionally. I and was you and was on a C community. Frank lived in a community mm -hmm. there, like 500 people. Really? I think. Yeah. Up near North in Northfield. Mm. Cool. Well, I don't. Is there anything more to say about that? I. may have heard you on the radio. From, oh, from WCW. That station was a major maintainer of life. It's a life, what you call lifeline for a lot of people in that region. It's a great thing. It really saved me to be able to live in Worcester in the main South neighborhood. It's an interesting story about that neighborhood. I don't know if you ever went to that area. It had a great Indian restaurant called Annapurna near Holy Cross College. That was another lifeline for a lot of us. We did a G I a gig there. In at Clark University or at Holy Cross or somewhere. The college? No. The college? The there? College of Holy Cross? Clark University, where Clark I was? Clark University. Where I was, yes. at where WCW was, maybe. Yes. I was just thinking the other day, I was just remembering, I got the amazing opportunity laid in, in my lap of interviewing Max Roach, right from this far away, and then recording him on a reel-to-reel -reel while he did a solo performance at, uh, at a museum uh, room, some room at the Worcester Museum of Art. I believe that's where it was, or a nearby building. And man, I as a 20-year-old got to be the one assigned to record the performance that he gave as a benefit for our station. How did you get on the radio? The radio? How did, you, how did you get that gig on the radio? That gig? Uh, it's an interesting story. I love listener-supported community radio. <laughs> It's groovy, yeah, and uh, it's one of the greatest things. And because um, I, I was going to Clark University, and I um, heard about the station. It was originally based out of a basement of a dormitory, and just at the time I became, I realized I wanted to go on the air, and I knew that that was something you could do as a member of the community uh, with this kind of station. And um, right around that time, they moved 
but it was just actually started in the basement, yeah? I, want, I love music. I always have my whole life, and I've really been a fan. I actually did a music show when I was 11 at a summer camp in Lenox. Mm -hmm. And um, I played Candles in the Rain by Melanie. That was my favorite song, but I played a lot of stuff. But Mel I always played that song, every mm -hmm. single, it was like my theme song, Candles in the Rain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think she did it at Woodstock. Mm -hmm. It was her biggest hit, I think. And it was a great song, very moving. So I had that background, and my dad, coincidentally, was in radio bed as a young man. Uh, and then, yeah. What did he do in radio? In radio? Yeah. Well, he, he, he may have done a little on-air work, maybe reading the news on-air. And then maybe he worked in the PR department, the publicity department of a station, and maybe he did a little sales for some advertising on the station, stuff like that behind the scenes. Then they also sometimes, I believe, let him read the news and maybe do a little voice or, you know, little fill-in stuff, you know? That's about his... Later, we all went into radio together, though, on Maui, when they were in their 80s. My mom and my dad and me, we shared a one-hour show, a talk radio show, Thursday afternoons on Maui that became quite well listened to, it turns out. And it was quite interesting. I can talk about the show if you, you know, because it's Would you like to hear thing. that? Yes. Yeah, I'd like... Because it's cool, especially in a number of ways, that this octogenarian couple had sold their business in New York after living their 80 years of life always in the New York area, both of them. Um, their, their son, one of their two sons, the only one who had children, me, I had a wife and three boys. And they wanted to move, and the boys ranged in age from like five to like 14 at the time. And they decided in retirement to come and rent a house on Maui near us and be part of life on Maui, but you know, not getting our hair or anything. But, but then after about six months of that, my dad was going bonkers. Uh, not having enough to do. You want to say something? No, it's oh. just... Uh, so anyway, um, we were watching one night, um, we were watching, I was over at their house, we were watching um, About Schmidt with um, Jack Nicholson, mm -hmm. and my dad was being a bit obnoxious in a dramatic mm -hmm. way, because he has also a background as an actor growing up in the New York area, which he could have been a great actor. He actually was offered an opportunity with a William Morris agent saying, you could be a star if you come with, along with me and let me run your show, I'll make you a star big time, mm -hmm. at a Columbia University production as a freshman. The guy happened to be in the audience and waited around until afterwards to talk to my dad. But my dad was a young kid and he didn't know to take the guy up right away. He didn't know what that meant, that opportunity. He was interested in girls, was his number one most interest, you know. So anyway, it's a good, good idea, I thought. You know, he's a smart guy. So anyway, that's a nice koala bear up there. Frank the painted that. That's a beautiful painting, man. Yeah. Anytime, if you have a compulsion to get rid of it somehow for some reason, <laughs> right? Right on, you got my message. Yeah. All right, so anyway, here's how it goes. Um, to wrap it back to my parents were watching, he, we were watching about Schmidt. Oh, uh, sorry. He will be you by the H O U house. I might buy the house. You end up buying the house. Oh, I might. I'm open, I'm open to it anyway. I'm open. Sounds good to me. I want to love to have a base up exactly in this neighborhood, I figured out. I haven't been in this neighborhood, this block. Two. Yeah. H. Two hours. Two no, hours. two. We have two houses on the street. Oh, we have another house, about six blocks, six cool. houses. Oh, I love it in this area, man. I love being back. It's 20 plus years since I was in Berkeley. Since 89 was the last time before Saturday. I love it around here. Yeah. Oh, there used to be Shaman's Drum was on Virginia yeah. near San Pablo. Remember that? Yes. And yes. right around the corner from there was a pottery store. Do you remember that? 
Maybe. Robert Orloff was my friend. Bo mm -hmm. Orloff. And he and his mom owned that little pottery place, which was maybe a supply place for potters, ceramic artists, plus a oh, gallery, too. It was probably both a supply store, and then they made it into a gallery as well. And that was the last time I lived around here. It was 88, 89. And then I split and had all kinds of different locations. All right, so back to, back to um, the Hawaii, I yeah, guess? Yeah, I like to talk about that, that radio show. The radio yeah. show. So yeah. what happened was we were watching about Schmidt, and my dad's shouting out to the TV set where the DVD was playing, saying, yeah, damn right, uh, you know, it's a, it's a drag to be retired after decades of doing a creative project, right? You know, and he's like sympathizing, empathizing, whatever the right word is, you know, resonating with the, with the character played by Jack Nicholson, the Schmidt guy who was retired after decades of going to the top of his field as an insurance guy. And so my dad was being obnoxious, but he was trying to communicate something, which Why? I need something to do. Who is a P-R-I-C-K? Right. Prick. The, oh, the Jack Nicholson the character. character is a prick. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad's not quite like the... Yeah, it's funny, right? He was a prick, wasn't he? But he had a heart, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, I kind of remember his having some humanity to him. He was in a tough situation, and maybe he'd been a prick, right? He'd been a prick, and did he come to realize he was a prick as part of the story? Maybe. Maybe. We might have to watch that movie. Some. Again. Somewhat. <laughs> he remembered somewhat. Something. He came so to he some, remembered he had somewhat. He an epiphany, right? He had an epiphany or some somewhat. kind of growth, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Anyway, my dad, though, the point was my dad made it loud and clear. He was not into being, sitting around farting in the house, right? That was like his chief occupation was eating English muffins in the morning. You know, like um, Sundays he'd eat a little eggs and bacon with the English muffins. Then he'd like watch some TV politics shows because he and his mom know a lot about, my mom know a lot about politics. And that's their banter. They like to talk about politics the you know more subtleties right mm -hmm. my mom actually got jacob javits elected she was his chief of staff after running his campaign to become a congressman in 46 the first time wow. and then she actually I just found out recently this is an interesting thing i only found out at the age of late 40s i found out in their living room the few years they were living on maui it came out for some reason and later i said how come you never told me this? she ended up organizing john f kennedy's freshman congressional office at the same time she managed and organized and created um, Javits's because they were both freshman Congress people in 46. Then she got burned out on it pretty fast for a variety of reasons I don't need to go into but I never knew until I always knew about the Javits part. She was on his pay stuff. She was his head of staff at the age of 23 but the thing is behind the scenes she saw that Kennedy came with a whole team that she called green inexperienced from Boston and she knew that they needed a big help and she liked them all. And she um, said, I'm going to run their office off the books. You know, just I'll tell them how to run an office. And that's how Kennedy's organization was created because my mom created it. It's far out, yeah. isn't it? It's a yeah. funny story, right? Yeah. Not everybody could say that their mom did that. But I never knew that. <laughs> I never knew that even. Isn't that funny? B, back to the radio. Okay. So they, what they wanted to do, because this was their thing they liked to do together, was keep current with politics. At the time, it was what, 2003, the end of 2000, so Bush was already, W. Bush was already in office for a few years, right? Now they did not like what was going on, right? Big time, they I didn't like it. R. 
eh? Frank ran for president in I heard about that. I read about that on uh, Wikipedia, right, yes. about you, yeah? I read yeah. about that. After I heard about you from John the Baker, I did a little research, you know? Yeah, that's cool. With an amazing running mate, too. Susie Block. Whoa, what yeah. a running mate. <laughs> now, I got a lot of combinations now, if you'd like to hear. Just a few, anyway, I'll mention. That I'd like to have some maybe uh, running mates, you know, for president soon. I, I change them frequently, but a lot of the main characters are usually in there, right? So a few of them would be, and I'm not quite sure who would be president and who would be vice president, but like um, there's one of them for sure, Willie Nelson. He's one I think could get elected president. And a friend of mine, an associate of mine named Human, he's a great guy to know about, Human and the Human Revolution. At, you can find out more at thehumanrevolution.org. And... Um, he has a song, an amazing song called Don't Blame Me, I Voted for Willie. Mm -hmm. It's a great song. It's a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. And because of who Willie Nelson is and also that song combined with the proper, you know, finessing, I think Willie Nelson could be president. I think so. And I think it'd be a good thing. As long, maybe, it might be. I think he can get elected, though. That's a big part. I think he could. Back. Back to Ho Hawaii. Back to Hawaii. Okay, right. thanks a lot. Anyway, the, the bottom line, man, that's cool, man. Keep us on track. Beautiful. The guy, my parents decided, my dad said, came to me the next day, and he said, your mom and I talked late into the night after we all parted after the movie, and I got to do something, and she, we'd like to do something together. We made out enough money. We came out with enough money in our bank account from working so hard for so long that um, we can afford to pay for, to buy something I looked into before, an hour of time on this talk radio station, Ka'oi, 11, 10 a.m. talk radio on Maui. And there's a time slot, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Thursday afternoons. We're gonna do it, and you're welcome to join us. You can, it's a 55-minute purchase. You can do the first 25, we'll do the sec last 30, and you can talk about whatever you wanna talk about, and we'll talk about national and international politics for the rest of the show, and that's our gig. So I said, groovy, you know, I've been wanting to do something like that, you know. So I interviewed all kinds of people. I had them as my guests, mostly in person, but sometimes over the phone. It was great, you know. And then my parents became this octogenarian couple that people love to hear them talk about their perspective from a long-range perspective, also highly knowledgeable people about the inner workings and how these characters and personalities were creating their own realities, but how they were impacting our realities significantly. And that's what they would talk about. And it was pretty far out. It was really sophisticated. And people really appreciated it. And it's good to know that you can be in your 80s or beyond, and you can do something like that. Even if you don't have the money like they did, there's all kinds of chances. E L I Elizabeth Gibbs. Yeah, she was, um, I don't know how old she was. Was she in her 80s when she passed away? But she had a radio show in Santa Cruz for decades that was very popular. Cool. She's and probably archived, maybe. Um, we used to, do we have her archived anymore? We were the ones, actually, when she passed away, her nephew kind of had the task, and we were the ones that were trying to get cool. him to do it. I don't know what happened with her. She's probably day. findable on the Internet, though. I mean, I'd imagine, Possibly. I'm sure I would have yeah. think so. Man, I bet you there's a bunch. She talked a lot about psychedelics and oh, that, I love whole, that subject. whole That's, I talk culture about that, around that. Probably about four hours a day if you added up all the different one-liners about psychedelics. It probably adds up to about four hours a day. It's part of my work. She mm -hmm. is the... Oh, right. She's the person that the door song, what's it called, that is written about her? 
Um, L O Love. Love Street. Love she Street. Was, that was, it was written I about love her. That song. Oh, that was written what was about her name? Her. Elizabeth Gibbs. Huh. Gibbs, G I B B or G I P P S? Gibbs? G I P S. Gibbs. Elizabeth Z? Probably. Or S. G I P S. Elizabeth Gibbs. Yes. Cool. I'll research that. I. L. Lived. No. L. M. E. Met. I met her in the 70s, 60s, in Santa Fe. No, in San Bernardino. San Berdu? Yes, he met her in San Bernardino. I'm going to be down there soon, next week, like tomorrow, third day after tomorrow near Anaheim Hills, which is closest I will have been to San Berdu in decades. Going to the big natural expo, the natural products expo, the biggest natural products expo in the world. It happens every spring in Anaheim, and I haven't been there since 1990. I'm going down there to help to finance this 30th anniversary Food Not Bombs world tour events. That's why I'm going to seek sponsorships from some people who've made a lot of money in the natural foods movement industry. G O O Good, good luck <laughs> getting them to donate. Mm -hmm. Be wonderful. Four, mm -hmm. um, B, B, E, because they, T, O, O, took, took. O, over, are you talking about the BNG thing? We were involved, um, the, the local um, organic grocery store was involved some years back in creating an organization that would um, determine, um, the, would create a standard for genetic modification in foods. And um, you and... D under P R E S S under pressure from us. Right. We were the ones that um, we well we shop that we do our shopping there. Where? Which it's place um, is this? Berkeley Natural Grocery on Gilman. I know, yes. right? I, I know that place. Yeah. I was just there the other night for the first time in twenty plus years. Yeah, yeah. I and, love that place. And Corey, who is place? part of our of our tribe, mm -hmm. um, has worked there for many years. Mm -hmm. Over and, ten. Oh yeah, right? at least at least yeah. How many years is Corey? Corey, how many years have you worked at B and G? So anyway, um, once we became aware of the hey genetic Corey. modification thing, we were very concerned about it because we buy all Sensibly. organic food. Sensibly, yeah. and, um, and so we started um, putting pressure on them to identify things in the store. We... Smart. That's a good move. S-A saw what H happened... 15 years. H A. Wow, that's a long time. What happened? <laughs> a. That's a lot of you got there, Corey. With S. Still 24, he is still too, right? I. You're still 24 S -U years old, right, Corey? 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Sugar. We saw what happened with sugar. Okay, so the way it started, we don't do sugar Subsidies, either. Subsidies, you mean? Well, no, we don't like we don't do sugar. I, like, I understand. Okay. I don't really. So we it, used yeah. to um, we used to buy this hot chocolate mix. This mm -hmm. was this was like you know 20 years ago yeah. or something. So this was before like you bought everything organic, before all the stuff about that came Quite out. Me. Mm -hmm. So what you would go for, what we went for, is like not having sugar in it. Right. And so all of a sudden, the packaging was the same. There was no indication. And one day we noticed that they had sugar in it. When did that happen? So that was the beginning of a trend where everything started to have sugar in it. Right. But nobody said anything about right. it. So we asked the store... And they started um, putting out propaganda about how sugar is okay. And so, you mean that story, the Gilman yeah, Natural? Yeah. Oh, really? And That's so, odd. Corey did this <laughs> extensive, like, it's right. thick, it like odd. this research on the effects that sugar has mm -hmm. on your system mm -hmm. and compared it to the effects that things like honey has mm -hmm. or molasses mm -hmm. to white sugar right. and actually presented it to them and they just shelved it. They really? just, what they year would this have been about? Corey, do you remember when you did Where's that? Corey? Corey's Down listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you can hear him? Support. Well, no, he's watching We're us. Streaming. So he types it into this the chat room. He types it. And then you read he's it. Chat. And then yeah. Mikey, Mikey reads Mikey it. Mikey's yeah. reading it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, or, or we are P A. P.S. Or we're psychic. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I was going to say, we are hooked up is what I thought he was going to say. We are like hooked up here. You know, we're like dialed in, you know, to the world. That's a cool thing. How many? 07 would have been the time period. We did the sugar, the sugar thing. So that's like three years ago? Yeah, God, that's pretty that recent. All? That's crazy. That's yeah. insane. 97. 97. Oh, 97. But why right. did that happen all of a sudden? Yeah. Why did this thing happen? Well, that was, that was when things too. changed. Pain. Like what I noticed was like you, you started at this point in the 60s mm. where there was like this consciousness about food. Right. And then slowly it gets to the point where you don't have to make everything yourself. There starts to be like packaged items right. that have the kind of ingredients that I would use. Yeah, exactly right. And then there's a point where all of that just suddenly, and this is it around the time, over, yeah. where the, the small companies that um, sold out. to the big companies, so you don't notice that they're I changing. Did. I well, did. I did I too. I paid super level. But right, you're saying right. the general public maybe was getting hoodwinked? Right, exactly. For at least a year and a and half. And then... It and then like the it. owners of the store were going along with it. I'm surprised yeah. by that part, although I'm not totally surprised. Well, see, this is the point of, of Frank's story, yep. is that this is the owner, yep. the guy that's supposed to like have a point of yes, view and right. a perspective supposedly, and supposedly. stand for yep. something. That's funny. Yep. And he's just blowing off this I whole sugar it. thing. I got so it, right, right away, we're starting to look at him different. Right. And then mm. the whole genetic modification organic thing starts, and all of a sudden, we're buying all organic. Oh, and then that's what triggered you to buy organic was because the GMOs? Um, no, no, no. The, no, um, we st with the organic thing started a long time right, before the GMOs. Yeah, right. Okay, but and then the GMO thing, we become aware of that, and we said, will the store be carrying things that are genetically modified? Right. They didn't even want to talk about Got that, it. but yes. Okay, so if you're going to do it, will you somehow label Identify. things? Right. Didn't want to talk about this it. This is as recently as just a few years ago. In the last ten years. Yeah. Oh, I know, in the last Do you ten. remember when that started, Corey? That was yeah. When was that, Corey? When did we start on that project? Because this particular location, 
took on the, the research of each individual which product. Which is basically and us. Them. Yes. Which was us. Which this this one on Gilman Street. It's right, here, it's right across the street. This is what, oh, yeah. the health food yeah. store. So that's what Frank is saying. It was because of the us that, that it we, all happened. Yeah, well, yes. that's an interesting thing. And, and again, set up this national thing, amongst, uh, really an underground so network amongst we, all the other health food stores so in the country. So we M A made a, a flyer. And we were ready to um, stand in front of the store with this flyer right, about, me, you know, this so-called, like, mm. natural store yes, I know. is it's going to be selling you genetically modified insane. food yeah, and not identifying yeah, it. Yeah, that's not and, right. But we, that's L, natural, huh? yeah. we wrote a letter, I think. Uh -huh. We wrote a letter to the owner and pretty much let him know that we were ready to, to embark on this campaign. Things. And then all of a sudden he's interested in um, putting a little money and time. So it took the form of Corey getting like a certain period of time in a day to sit at the computer and start doing research. So this went on for... He started in 2002. He started that in 2002. And it got bigger and bigger mm -hmm. to where it attracted the attention. Like they, uh, we, G, O, oh, G O, G O, no G, O got seven zero seven hundred. Right, that was the way it started. Seven hundred stores, stores around the country and Canada yep. that signed on to be part of this project. Cool. It was all very grassroots thing, yeah. just like calling yeah. and sending emails and sending That's letters. Nobody, none of the people who worked in the stores wanted GMOs in no, the stores. No, no. It makes but sense. But it was yeah. the people who were making money. Were, were trying to hide a dumb eye, you know, blind eye from the from the issue. And skirt away from it, and 700 stores spoke out against That's it. Great. And yeah. we, G, O, we got A, L, A, B, lab, right to do to do set up the standard for the testing. Oh, cool. Like in Iowa? Well, in Iowa, know, yeah. You know what, what? Where I came from for the last, until last year, I was in Maui for mm -hmm. going almost 15 years. And a lot of people don't know it, but Maui, Hawaii in general and Maui specifically mm -hmm. uh, is pretty much the capital in the United States for experimentation with genetically modified mm -hmm. organisms. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go to Hawaii to theoretically paradise. And actually, mo the majority of people, or a big chunk of the people who go to South Shore Maui, as well, let's put it this way, people, greatest percentages go either West Side Maui through resort area or South Side Maui more and more. And if you go to the South Side Maui, you go right past, without even knowing it, a major operation, Monsanto's research facilities. Oh, right. And you that's a hugely important see, thing going on over there. You see Berkeley also is very involved yeah, in that. Yeah, that would be thing. another major, major yeah. place. But yeah. I mean, yeah, you see Berkeley, a lot of people don't know that, but that's but I knew that before, but Maui, I didn't know that. And right. I moved there and then I found out Monsanto and other others that be outside, they've got, they're big time, corn especially. Right. And corn is now the thing right. like sugar. Corn right. is yeah. everything right. these days. Right. 
and right. it's almost always or genetically, genetically yeah. modified. And yeah. even and they say you can't get corn that's not genetically modified. Even the organic, they say now, because of crossing, is now also genetically modified. There's virtually not and organic corn, or it's S rare, that's truly organic. S O. Soy, same soy thing too. With soy. Those yeah. are other things. They try to push that stuff in mm. to every last product, unless you're really careful. You can not eat soy, yeah. but it's hard if you're not paying attention. You tend yeah. to eat a lot of soy because it's in everything practically. Yeah. It's a mixture kind of thing. That's why it's a good idea to eat things that are just themselves and right. put make your own blends, you right. know, and yeah. get them organic S or wild, you know. So when we were things were really picking up speed they were getting all these stores to sign on and there it was going it was going really yeah. well all of a sudden then um that's when the big money people got interested so it was whole foods yeah um they said that they were in the process of setting up their own genetically modified standards right but they would like to discuss it with our group and maybe we could just join forces B, four, L, four, M, A, R, K, E, Mark marketing for marketing makes sense. But what happened was, um, very quickly everything changed. All of these big money people, um, worm their way in to the point where they talk themselves into being on the board of directors and booting out all of the people that had created the thing in the first place. And then from that point, it all just fell apart. Nothing has happened to it. So they lost interest in all those stores that had signed up. They just didn't, they were like gone then. It wasn't about that. Wait, I'm sorry. It, it, I'm not sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Um, who who are I lost track of who's who the who that you're talking about here? Well, so Whole Foods, the yeah. the people, the top people at mm -hmm. Whole Foods, and then they brought in. Um, <coughs> there were other people, and I don't really remember who all the characters were at this point. They. Maybe it's going off in the chat. S A. <laughs> it saw that it was. G going to B E effect I effective. They saw that it was going to be effective. S so they wanted to K I kill it. UNFI, United Natural Foods. Michael Funk. Michael Funk's a, I was just with his original partner today, Annie Marks, who started at Mountain People's Warehouse with Michael. We were just talking about at Mama Buzz's today. She's my friend whose niece is Jade. Do you know Jade from Mama Buzz? That's, yeah. So, Do you know Mama Buzz in Oakland? That's a great place. Yeah, I think Corey and Alexia have told us about it. Mm -hmm. So these guys, um, they, they wormed their way. As Frank said, they wanted to kill it because they saw that it was going to be effective. Mm -hmm. I, W, A, R, I warned. Right, Frank warned um, 
the the people the original people to watch out for these guys he said don't let them in because once they come in they're going to kill the whole thing but you know it was enticing like where where were these people coming from who were going to kill the whole thing just so i make sure unfi and they people wait people even unfi was was that when michael funk wasn't in charge during that that period? he was he was he was he was the bad guy he was a bad guy oh this is a bad guy i'm finding this out he was the bad guy. oh i've never heard of bad files on him before and Whole Foods. And the main guy co opted the underground. Well, movement. He basically co opted it. He co opted it so that they wouldn't huh. have to deal with a standard that was well, that's, honest. That's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Really? As a gang. As a gang. Took really? over. They Whoa, took this over. This is interesting. Because I'm going to the expo soon and I'll be running into some of these S- people. Yeah, and knocking them over. This is why you're telling them the story, right? Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Wow, thank you. Wow. It's called the GMO project. Wow. But basically, once they hmm. outed, once they got rid of basically us, and um, I mean, it was enticing, you know. So, like, Bob, the owner of uh, uh, Berkeley Natural yeah. Grocery, it's like all of a sudden the big guys are interested in talking to him uh. and being involved with him. Uh. And he's kind of all like this, taking yeah. all the glory. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, we had done all the work. Right, and all, he doesn't want to like boot these guys. He's thinking, he's like, I'm like doing power, something. Right? You know, now I'm now I'm with the Attract- big guys. Attracting right. those big guys' interests. So he didn't want to hear the, the warnings real. about that these guys right. are going to come in and kill the project. Whoa, that's I mean, amazing. because the project is the thing that got Bob attention right from the beginning. People started doing articles so who are they interviewing not Corey and they're interviewing Bob right Bob doesn't even mention Corey right. Corey's doing all the work right. that's fine with us we just want to get the job done right G O G L A glamour got it I understand yeah I know how that is. I've seen it a lot. So basically, that's the end of the GMO project in essence. Like, oh. there never was any screening of the stuff. There never was any labeling. All the stuff that we had worked toward and were building, none of that ever happened. Oh, and interesting. Yeah. This is... Oh, that's amazing to me. They derailed it. Three. I don't they know how some it. of these people can do that except the human mind. Money. Oh, three years of <laughs> no, working glory, on it? Is right, that what you mean? Or three glory, years right. ago? Yeah, this so was it's a go combination. Ahead. Said a few more now the non-GMO project, called the non-GMO Right, project, right. It's yeah. testing a lot of companies but with a compromised standard. Yes. And no pressure from the stores or regular people. It's industry run. Huh. Well, I can tell you one thing. Back again to somebody who might you know, I, I don't mind admitting I like to promote this guy Human, the songwriter now from Ashland, was in Mendocino for a while. Man, he wrote a brilliant song called Monsanto Go Away that's on this album called Alive from Maui and also I think on his Naked album, the first album. And that's a really powerful song that a lot of people ought to learn to sing because it's not just about Monsanto. They're important to tell to go away. However, it's about all these people. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty empowering. That's the thing about his songs that I love. Among other things I love about them is that they're very empowering. I recommend everybody listen to that song and start to learn it and say it and shout it and sing it. It's really inspiring and it's important, right? I agree with you guys, yeah? We got a big movement, you know, the non-GMO movement in Mendocino. They were the first ones to successfully turn yes. away Monsanto. Yes. Uh, they actually defeated Monsanto, even though Monsanto poured a huge amount of money, like 
a huge amount per capita was poured into Mendocino County because they knew that if Mendocino County won and voted themselves non-GMO county, first ever in the U.S., others would follow. So they poured huge resources to fight but, it, but they still didn't win. The people won. That was a big story up there. But. But what? <laughs> there might be a big but there, right? That. Then. The. S. The stores. No, the S-T. A. The state. O. Over. Ruled. That. Really? I didn't know that part. I've never heard that part before. That's weird that I wouldn't have heard that, though. But then again, I might not have, you know, because that's interesting. I have to look into it. But, uh, Do you I know, know about that? I know that where San Luis, is it San Luis Obispo County, where San Luis Obispo is? I think so, maybe. Anyway, I know that a friend of mine, Daniela, was working quite a bit actively for some time. And I think they said they won uh, in terms of a vote, the people uh, initiative to make that place non-GMO. That Pretty sure. it, they, did win, but the state... Also? No, but the state overruled, no, P, passed a law that uh, I can't remember the specific thing about it. It was something like a, a like a, a city or a state or a county cannot um, cannot basically cannot do that. that well, that's pretty darn bizarre, and that's yeah. something I feel passionately about. That that just for people to say no to that, you know, like, that's the whole point of the way this whole government experiment of democracy, at least democracy, is structured. Is that any group of people within a political boundary, such as a county, ought to be able to vote for something right. for or against whatever and that ought to be binding right because that's like the basis of all you got to have a some kind of way to make decisions right, right. and right. if and if a bigger entity doesn't respect a smaller entity that's just not right is it right no yeah that's pretty messed up isn't it so that's not right right people ought right. to definitely be standing up against that big time which yes. reminds me of something i'd love to tell a story if i might has yes. to do with food not bombs i just want to say this get this chance I hope you don't mind my doing this, you know, that Food Not Bombs is something to find out about. And I'm doing this 30th anniversary promotion this year with some concerts in Woodstock, New York on Saturday the 14th of August. This year coming up at the Bearsville Theater and then at the Orpheum Theater across from Boston Commons Saturday night after Thanksgiving this year, the 27th of November, in support of Food Not Bombs movement globally, which people can find out about at foodnotbombs.net. And then other places, too, if you just Google Food Not Bombs, if you Google Keith McHenry, Food Not Bombs, uh, you'll get, or if you put that into a YouTube search, Keith McHenry, Food Not Bombs, you can watch wonderful videos of Keith, my friend who was one of the founders back in 1980 and still is pretty much the one who's kept working nonstop these past 30 years. Um, anyway, um, the point is this, what is that he, I had a story, okay. How did... F, Food Not Bombs, get started? Yeah? You want me to yes. tell you? Yes. Okay, I'll tell you that. Good question. And uh, Food Not Bombs got started because a bunch, because Howard Zinn, you know Howard Zinn, right? Who just died recently. Well, Howard Zinn, as people might know, is, was a historian uh, who wrote a book called The People's History of the United States, which is a hugely, you know, relatively speaking, hugely important book to give you a different perspective on the history of America, the United mm -hmm. States. And um, from a people standpoint, you know, a lot of different history than you might have grown up with in elementary school. 
Well, Food Not Bombs started because Howard Zinn was telling his history students at Boston University, and among them was Keith and a few of his friends and undergraduate, I think, studies at Boston University, um, talking about this thing that was going on up in Seabrook, New Hampshire, which was the building of a, you might remember this, the building of a nuclear plant up there. And yes. It, and it was uh, objected to by a number of people in that region. They formed something called the Clamshell Alliance. You probably remember that, yeah, probably really well. In fact, you might have even been part of it, right? Maybe, or had friends most likely, right, who did. Yes. So I did too. And so um, when I was living in Worcester as a young student, you know, so um, yeah, a lot of my friends were actively involved. So um, Keith was, I didn't know Keith yet. Well, maybe I had met him. Yeah, I had met him. But anyway, we were out of touch. I was in England, blah, blah, blah. But the point is this, that um, Howard Zinn said to his students, A, this is something to know about and object to, probably, and do the thing that, you know, what's his name, um, Thoreau wrote about, you know, like civil disobedience, you know, kind of stuff, direct action, Gandhi and direct action. It's going on up there in New Hampshire, you guys. He said, you know, and I encourage you, if you think it's right, to go up there and protest it, you know, as good American citizens, you know, et cetera. So um, Keith responded to that, and so did a bunch of his friends. They all joined the clamshell alliance, and they started going up whenever they could up there to protest the building of this plant. Now, there's more to it. There's a rich story. You asked me a question. I'll do my best to answer, but let me know if you need to interrupt me. Doing great. Okay, right on. Thanks. So here's how it went. Um, Keith and a bunch of people started doing this protesting up there, and um, after a while it became apparent that uh, there was a need for food because people were up there for days on end sometimes. And, well, boy, I'm trying to tell the story straight. It's, it's all in Food Not Bombs history on Food Not Bombs done that. And if you watch these videos of Keith online on YouTube, Keith McHenry, Food Not Bombs in the YouTube search, you get to watch Keith and hear him telling these stories. And you come to the presentations on this tour that we're doing all over the world, you hear him tell the stories too. That's standard part of his presentation. history. I'll tell it now, best I can. So it's complicated though. and. Um, the thing is that um, that was part of it, what I just said, the feeding of people, that was part of it. But an earlier part, just about the same time though, was that they had a moving company called Smooth Move, it was kind of a funny name, now there's a T name that, right, laxative, right, Smooth Move. But they was a bunch of hippie <laughs> activists, tea. right? I know the T. Yeah, yeah, you got to need to have a little <laughs> lubrication, right? So in, in that part Not of the Not a good minute. Right? <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, whatever, right? You. Need you need it? I, need I, know. It. I know. I need it. Who needs it, no, John? What? Instant asshole. Don't I have an instant? Oh, I don't have an instant asshole shirt. Yeah, I know. All right. <laughs> Everyone's part asshole, right? At least a part asshole. So anyway, uh, from a physiological standpoint, at least, right? Part of us is an asshole. So it's unavoidable. We're going to be an asshole at least a certain amount of our, or to a certain degree. I usually am. We usually are, right? Four, B, A, back. Back to food, not bombs. Back to okay. food, not bombs, right? Okay. I agree. Origin. Right. Origin. I agree. Origin. Origin of food, not okay. bombs. Okay. Poop, now, poop the smooth, the smooth, the smooth <laughs> move company moved this household of activists in Cambridge or Boston. And one thing they left behind in the house that these guys recovered was a sign saying, wouldn't it be a wonderful, we all have seen it, or a lot of us did, wouldn't it be a wonderful day when um, uh, schools uh, don't have to hold bake sales, they get funded by the taxes, and the, and the Air Force has to do a bake sale to buy a B-1 bomber, right? 
So Keith and his friends um, started to do um, table, street theater where they all went down to the Army Navy store and they got generals' outfits and Air Force captains and colonels and all those upper, you know, with decorations, but looking like officers, but they all had long hair and beards and stuff. And, and they set up a table selling baked goods and they were telling everybody passing by on the street, would you buy a brownies and cookies so that we could buy a B-1 bomber? Uh, we're raising funds to buy a bomber. And it was, you know, people were enjoying this. And, uh, and, the re and also they were sent to these places because part of Howard Zinn's educating them was to teach them that um, the heads on the, the board of directors of the people, the utility commission that was behind the Seabrook plant were also on the board of like the Bank of Boston or some major bank there. They were also on the Public Utilities Commission. I might have said that just now. But they were on a whole bunch of boards. And Howard Zinn was teaching these people that this was the way that the Great Depression occurred, was everybody were the same people loaning each other money and continually doing that. So it lost reality after a while, right? You know, there's nothing really to bank on, you know, literally. And so um, it was like a car, a shell game, you know, that these people were playing with themselves, you know, but with the people as their source of funding, you know. So, uh, so, what, so they wanted to teach others that through the street theater, and so they set up these tables to raise money to buy bombers outside the meeting, the board meeting of the Bank of Boston or whichever bank, I think it was the Bank of Boston. So anyway, that's how it started between all these different events. Howard Zinn, though, was a hugely crucial factor. And he was going to be part of our celebrations this year, but he just passed away. So, hmm? I you can keep... like the G? No, like the D, I, like the diggers, and the B, L, A, black. Panthers, like the Diggers and the Black Panthers did in the 60s. Oh, so what happened was they, they, they what Keith worked in a produce store. He worked in one of the earliest produce stores, Bread and Circus. Do you remember Bread and Circus in Boston? Yes. Yeah. They were one of the earlier natural food supermarkets, kind of. And uh, see, he was a produce worker there. And this is all going on at the same time, so it all kind of came together and uh, helped, um, but he was noticing huge amounts of lettuce and other, uh, everything every day was going to get tossed into dumpsters and just tossed, right? So he started to organize it all and get it out to like homeless shelters and like alcohol re recovery centers and whatever, anyone, they started, he started channeling it and giving away, but then once the whole Seabrook protests were going on, he started to realize that the people up there needed to be fed, so he started to make miso soup Miso vegetable soup out of stuff and, you know, meals. They used to take that food in addition to all these other people he'd already been giving it to, to feed the protesters. And that was a huge part of the birth of Food Not Bombs, right? Because people who are doing the activist work need to be fed, they need to be supported, you know? So that was a huge thing that you could go protest and be supported because there was a really good vegetarian, wholesome food to nourish you while you're doing the protest, right? That could really help people to feel comfortable about going for a whole day trip to New Hampshire, days on end in New S Hampshire. E like the P I G pig F A like the pig farm. Yep. Two at W Woodstock. Yes. They're, these are all related. That's the beauty of it. We all are related anyway, all of us, in so many, in every way. But the thing is that all these movements, all these great things people have done throughout history are interrelated, you know, 
too. And uh, yeah, I mean, Keith and Wavy Gravy and the pig farm go way back. You know, I mean, like Keith was fed. He was nourished by the reality of the existence of the pig farm. He took that as an inspiration, as well as the farm in Tennessee was a big part. That was one of the first things Keith told me about back in Alston, Mass, when I hung out at this Gardner Street household, community household that he was living in uh, back in 79. Uh, I visited him there after meeting him in Oregon and Portland as co-workers at the art museum there in 78. That's how we met. And um, the next year we were both back in Massachusetts. I had returned to Worcester, and he, which is when I got on the radio that year, and then 79. And then he was living back in this communal household in Gardner, mm -hmm. Gardner Street in Austin, I believe it was Austin. And he started telling me about this place called The Farm, where he had taken a bunch of young pregnant women who paths crossed with his and turning them onto the whole birthing thing, the natural birthing. T. Steve. Steve uh, Gaskin. Yes. Yeah, right. Stephen mm -hmm. Ida Mae Gaskin, right? Who yes. wrote Spiritual Midwifery, yeah? Yes. I. L. I. No, I. K. New. That. Them. T. H. Through. Elizabeth. Through Elizabeth Gibbs, Frank yeah. knew them through Elizabeth Gibbs. That makes Gibbs. sense. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, if I'd been around here like you might have been, maybe you weren't here back then. Maybe you were back in Massachusetts or something. Mm -hmm. But man, those classes that Gaskin gave back here, you know, like whatever the '60s, you know, those whole thing. That sounded amazing. To I, me, man. I was in Redlands. Redlands, California. Dreaming about being here. Down south. Yes. Dreaming about, being dreaming about being reading here. about it, reading about it, wishing kind of you could have been could Redlands be near San Berdu. Yeah. Yeah, right on, man. You ever heard that song by Frank Zappa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. Yeah. So I was down there too at times, dreaming of the Bay Area too myself. But that's another story. But um, anyway, I used to, so Keith started this with seven friends, but various times those guys were involved, but. It's been 30 years now. This guy's devoted his life to it. He became also another part of Phenomenal Bums, but I'm skipping ahead. He became the most, I believe, the most arrested person in the history of the city of San Francisco later and got the shit beaten out of him on repeated occasions, too, for feeding people free vegetarian food. What is the M? What is the L O Y? T I L O T I L O T I is that it? No, what is the L O C L O C no what is the L no R A Rationale Rationale. What is the rationale behind of M A making F E E feeding people illegal? Okay, it's an interesting question. Um, feeding people, making that illegal, uh, the rationale behind it. Um, I want to say this that it was. In, to some degree, feeding people freely was a threat to capitalism in itself. You know, the concept of people having food provided 
without there being this capitalist profit motive or involvement. That in itself, on certain levels, is a threat to the way society is status quo. That's a whole interesting thing to think about. A lot of people have never thought, well, how come everybody, just, our society is a structure where everybody gets fed really well, no matter what, that everyone everywhere gets fed really well, right? Because there's enough resources, abundantly so, in everywhere on this planet where everyone could party all the time and know that the food part was covered, right? Big time. Well, that in itself, I'll get back to it in a second, but just that alone is enough to make some people upset, the idea of food being just distributed freely. However, in addition to that, it was a lot of the time, it was actually the political expression part that was uh, what was really being suppressed, you know. That was being passed out for free also with free food, and that was the part historically that was offensive to certain government entities, more, especially at that moment in the late 80s, the mayor of San Francisco, Art Agnos. Uh, he got his um, butt um, twisted into all kinds of directions just because of just energetically for some reason it triggered him big time that these bunch of young people were giving out food for free to anyone who wanted it and they were also talking about all kinds of things about how society could be different it just bugged the shit out of him apparently don't you just love L I liberals <laughs> Well, liberals turn out to be, there's not that many people liberal enough, maybe, right? Even the liberals maybe don't get it, how liberal we all can be. You know? It, liberals, um, are, liberals are, do, am most of the damage. They, well, I'm, I, maybe so, maybe so. I'll tell you this thing, getting back to psychedelics, like Elizabeth Sim, or Sim? G Gibbs. Gibbs, Gibbs, Gibbs. Um, I mean, I do harp, and there's a variety of reasons this. It's largely, often, it's humorous. It's meant to be humorous, but there's truth in it, too, when I make jokes about psychedelics, is that um, it could be useful, maybe, for a lot more people to, in some way or another, become psychedelic, whether it's through a chemical means or whatever, in the ultimate bigger sense, the word psychedelic. I just, I vote for it in general as a default position. I tend to promote it, the idea of opening up the mind and becoming way thinking much more big time, you know, than, than like the liberal set might assume is enough, you know. But anyway, if you want to get back to the story about the busting or the rationale, right? Yes, yes, yes. 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 Of the busting. Well, it turned out actually, as, as Keith tells the story in his presentations, which I just heard 10 of, between this trip to England, three mm -hmm. of them, and then seven of them in Hawaii recently, um, as well as on the internet thing on YouTube, as well as on the Food Not Bombs website, foodnotbombs.net, there's a bunch of videos in there too. So the story is that when it came down to it, and this is really interesting, ultimately after a bunch of hassles over permits for giving out free food, ultimately he, Keith, in San Francisco, and as well as in other places, in, since with so much profusion of Food Not Bombs birthings in various towns and cities all over the world, including many in America, where it's actually had the hardest time of all, uh, America of all places, where we're supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave and that kind of stuff, um, is that uh, there's more suppression in the United States. And more often than not, the thing that it's come down to is the government objecting to, you can give out free food, but you can't give out free food and talk about politics in public. We don't, it's illegal, we say. Guess what? The Constitution, the founding par fathers, parents, whoever, the founders of the nation, that was the whole point, to be able to have 
free freedoms of all kinds, including very much expression of political opinions, right? That's supposed to be what's happening. There's supposed to be this open, ongoing, abundant discourse about life in general and about freedoms and about having the most freedoms we can manage, you know, it would still not offend each other too much, you know, live together, you know, but, but definitely political discussion and discourse is supposed to be happening. That's what we're supposed to be doing the most we can do, but that's what these government entities have turned out to suppress. And there's a whole part about Keats' ancestry that comes into this that's quite fascinating I want to get to. Now's the time, I'll get to it, but if you want to say something or ask something, I'll... The... L... I... Liberals, no, the L-I-N, E, the line of the G, O, government is F, feeding, no, F-R, F-E, F-R-E, free, Free food is not S safe. Say that again. The line of the government is free food is not safe. That's true too. That's another angle, yeah? I mean, so yeah, they play that angle that, hey, you know, you got to like be approved by our inspectors, right? right? Is that what you mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. H. Yeah. Mm -hmm. U. Hunger. Is not safe either. No, hunger is s safer. Hunger safer than uh, than eating food that might not have been authorized. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a breatharian. I I think actually I mean there is a point there is a yeah there actually is a, I mean on some levels it is good to take a break from food, but I mean like you don't want to have it be like not by choice that you're hungry right? It's That's better right. yeah. So the. B, L, A, Black Panthers, will T tell you it was their free food program that was the thing that um, set the government against them and not the other stuff they did. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because they definitely, threatened it. look, you know, the bottom line is that if you really... If this weren't based, if this were based on human needs, our society, and not based on power, then everyone would be eating groovy, you know, food. Like, there's actually this old Hasidic tale about someone who inquired of the, maybe it was the Baal Shem Tov, the original Hasidic Jew, a spiritual leader in Eastern Europe, in Poland, I believe, or Russia or someplace, who was a mystic. He was a, a forest mystic, more or less, but maybe he lived in a city, in a town, too. But I think he took a lot of his inspiration spiritually from nature. And someone came to him and said, what's, um, what's hell? What, is there really such a place? As, is there anything heaven and hell? Is there any reality to that story that there's a heaven and a hell? I'm going to do my best to tell the story. It's not been the easiest story for me to tell for some time now, but I learned it a long time ago. It's a great story. And so they said, heaven and hell, can you tell us about it, you know? So he said, yeah, I can do that, you know? And so he did this kind of thing that if anybody read that book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, about this guy Socrates here in Berkeley, at this gas station. I didn't see the movie, which a lot of people might have seen the movie, but I, I read the book a long time ago. It's a good book, and the sequel is good too, set in Molokai. But, any, not but, anyway, the thing is this. Um, so the person who was asked, maybe it was the Baal Shem Tov, or some mystic figure brought 
the person inquiring to look at what heaven and hell looks like. And uh, I think they might have shown them a hell first, yeah. And uh, they took them into this enormous banquet hall and uh, with the most wonderful food you can imagine of every last kind, and even ones you could not even imagine existing, all were on the spread. And there's a huge mass of people along this giant table in this giant banquet hall, and they're all they're actually having a hard time. They're bickering. They're having a hellish experience because they've got these enormous long-handled spoons that are part of the deal down there. Is that's what you got to eat with. That's the one utensil you've got. Is this spoon that's got this long, long handle. And um, each person's given one of those spoons at, at their place at the table. Well, and they can't manage getting the um, food spooned in from these spread into their mouths to eat it. Because these handles keep bonking. They keep everyone's bonking everybody else with the handles and they can't manage to uh, feed themselves, even though there's a huge abundance of food. They're having a horrible time. They're all dying of starvation, actually, um, and fighting with each other in the process, you know, so. Why not use your hands? <laughs> Why not? So I'm thinking, or hold it closer to the end. <laughs> Why not F, E, E, feed each feed other? Each other. There you go. He's on to it. He's a smart guy, right. right? That's the whole point. So then they go, then the guy says, the guide says to the other person, now I'm going to show you what heaven is, okay? So he takes him down the hall to another banquet hall. He's got it. He got it. He intuited or he followed. He, right, he extrapolated, yeah? Right on, yeah? Good, man. So, the, so the guy, they go down the hall to another banquet hall, right? So this other banquet hall is identical. It's identical to every last detail. It's identical. And there's this other group of people, same number of people in the hall, all crowded around a giant table. However, there's a fundamental difference in what's going on. And this is what constitutes heaven, yeah? Is that every, you know, every last person there is delighted because, and they're eating the most splendiferous meal of their, you know, it's always this, yeah. And what they're doing is they're feeding each other. They figured out to take these long-handled spoons and spoon things and then go, boom, you try this. And here, you try this, and you try this, and you try this. And they're all going, wow, you know, let me just stop finishing this other spoonful someone else just gave me, then I'll get to the next one, right? And they're all blissed out and just fed so well. They're all going, wow, man. What's for dessert even? You know, like where's that pumpkin pie? Where should you lay some of that or whatever? Lace, you know, yeah, that's the bottom line is that everybody who's helping feed each other, that's what heaven was about. And that's what we have the opportunity to do. We always have had the opportunity. I guess we're coming around to it now. Apparently that's what we're supposed to be doing nowadays is to figure out how to feed each other. And that's where and Food Not Bombs is a great tool, right, John the Baker? Yes. Is that what it's like when you go to a meal at Food Not Bombs? Do they feed you with big, long-handled spoons? <laughs> that might be the next that step. Would be that awesome. might be the thing to do. That might be ultimate. <laughs> Maybe that's part of what I got to raise funds about nowadays. You know, oh, I'd like that. that we had to do that. Make a movie of it. We're going to make a movie of that. That least. would be yeah, so cool. That's one great. of the things I'm raising funds to make this movie. A group? That's what I was thinking about, too. The, um, so we're doing this... Um, Frank is doing this series in Oakland once a month. He does a three-hour performance. And it's um, he just creates something based on who shows up. It's all yeah. like just, just making it up on the spot. So he got contacted in advance of this one month. Um, a group that um, Y, you, a yuppie group. Um, they get people to sign up every month and pay them a certain amount of money, and 
they create an adventure for them on a Saturday, oh. like all day Saturday. They just take them to things. So they said, if we showed up with like 20, 30 people from this group, this would be like the last thing we did on the Saturday. We'd all come to this thing. Is it okay? Frank said, fine. They said, is there anything you could suggest that we could do with the group before they came to get them in the right frame of mind? Right. He said, all go out to eat and feed each other. Yeah, that's great. Nice. And so that's, and they, d they actually did that. Cool. That it, P, A, pair people up. R, oh. A, randomly. He said, pair people up cool. randomly. Cool, that's profound, right? Yes. It's profound. Yeah. Changes everything if people start to feed each other. Yeah. That's amazing, actually. That's great. That's yeah. good work, man. Yeah. Yep, that's the ultimate thing. It, if you feed each other, then pretty much everything else will probably follow. It cha could change everything. They, they, they did that. Yeah, the, yeah, that's what they did. They went to the restaurant, and they fed each other, that's and then they great. showed up ready for the performance. That's one of the things about Food Not Bombs that I feel so strong and why it makes it easy for me to relate to it. See, because somehow or other, I figured this out a long time ago, that there's like a ton of food everywhere. And I just found this out before Food Not Bombs in my life, you know, that like there's lots of amazing food, too. Most people don't even know how well we can eat, right? S T O R E stores and restaurants throw away mass Huge quantities of food. Of food. Now, the way that I got to England with Keith in January is that he was invited by a, a brilliant young college student, only about 20 years old, created an event as his project as an undergraduate student at the place called University of Northampton, a bit north of London. Mm -hmm. And he created this event called the Big Food Fight. Now, I bet you people went on the internet and looked at the Big Food Fight UK. If you Google the Big Food Fight UK, you'd probably still find the um, literature about this guy's event um, and um, the promotional materials. And so it's probably still up. And this guy's point, what he learned about it, he wanted to share, A, share it with the public the information by holding this event, and B, create a new culture in this town of Northampton because he learned how much food gets wasted. Every community, every major town in, in England, he figured out was throwing out something like, I mean, huge thousands of pounds a day worth of food every single day of every single week of every year. And he figured out through his learning process that this food could be converted into valuable meals for lots of people and that G there were actually organizations doing it. Right? Oh, oh. Good. Good. F. Oh, and it's good food. And good food. Food that is not bad. Right. It's just not as fresh as maybe the newest stuff en route to the stores. And so right. they got to make way for the new right. food because there's so much food being grown in the world, right. right? So there's so much food that it's constantly there's stuff that's getting thrown out. But still, rather than having people starve, they might not eat the freshest of the fresh, but it's better than starving or eating crappy food, right? To eat fresh, pretty good food one, still. One time... I S P E spent a week in New York City on the on the street and you would just go to restaurants, right? They would go to restaurants and um, ask for food. 
and they that's how they survived was eating giveaway food from restaurants for a week for a week you did that huh? there's so much food i don't know exactly i haven't done this research my own to verify this how you know and i like to back things up i like to know at least to know the best i can but keith on his talks says that something like 35% for his understanding is something like 30 or 35% of the food produced on earth through our distribution systems globally goes to waste something like a full third or even yeah. approaching half yeah. of the food that's insane I'm going to do something right now. I hope no one's bothered by this. Um, I'm going to do something that might be considered radical that I might I hope no yeah. I'm going to eat a little food if that's okay. Because yes. the thing is I want to say this about why I want to eat the food if that's okay, yeah? Because it does something called nourish my body, okay? And I have, I need a little extra of that and it makes my nervous system work better, right? And I'm going to eat some nuts, okay? Uh, some cashews if I can find them. I got a little of those in here. I think some organic cashews from the Port Townsend Food Co-op in Port Townsend, Washington, the Olympic Peninsula. They're super good quality organic cashews, yeah? And the thing is, when I eat these, guess what will happen? I'll be able to feel better, and I'll be able to think better, and I'll be able to keep talking. And that's a groovy thing, right? And that's why it's important to feed humans, right? Well, because we'll all function better together as well as individually, you know, when we eat well, right? So it's pretty important. One. Right? One time. One time in band camp? One time we, which one are you talking about? The restaurant thing we did? There was a period of time where Frank and I were spending a lot of time walking around um, the streets of Berkeley, and so we got to know a lot of the homeless people mm -hmm. that would sleep on the streets. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice to have some food and stuff to mm -hmm. distribute to people? Mm -hmm. So we went to this high-end restaurant, very expensive restaurant, and we said, um, do you have any food that you don't want mm -hmm. that we could go and give to the people that are living on the uh -huh. street. And we got into this routine with them where Oops. we would go there mm -hmm. every night and they would serve us these amazing, this was like this high-end seafood restaurant. So it was like food we couldn't even afford to buy. Mm -hmm. These beautiful platters yeah. of seafood meals like lots of them, and we would just go around and serve That's them great. to all the people wow, that were like, that you know, had their little moment. like <laughs> tents in the, me. in the vestibules of stores and stuff. That's incredible. That's really great, right? Yeah. There's but it was so easy. It didn't take anything. Especially the good thing, though, is true. I mean, like, I eat some seafood these days. However, for many, many years, I was 100% vegan and very, very devotedly so. I still mainly eat vegan. However, I do eat some things that are non-vegan these days for a variety of reasons, but, I, I, but you can do well without eating any of them. That's a big part of truth in the world. It's good for people to find out that that's true. Mm -hmm. And Food Not Bombs makes a point. That's part of its mission, to get people aware that we can live well without animal products. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like a heavy, heavy message not to eat animal products. It's good to let people know proactively that you, we all can do well without animal. And in fact, if we all did work together well, more and more, I mean, vegan is a good way to go because it's ecologically a good thing. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's health-wise and resource-wise, big at time. At L, E, at least, L, E, less, at the very least, eat less meat. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's kind of what I was hoping to get to. 
is yeah. the, if you emphasize, I mean, like if you mainly, if, if we as, as individuals and also collectively mainly eat a, a vegetarian, a, veg, a, a plant-based diet, even if we're not eating it exclusively, it's way helpful. We are F D Y dying from F A R T S. We farts. are dying farts. Dying from farts. farts. What? <laughs> we are dying farts. We are dying from farts. Who from we personally? Oh, or because or of the farts no, of the, the methane? The oh, methane exactly. farts of the cows? <laughs> the, the I thought it meant I thought he meant in this household. <laughs> like Mikey and Linda are going crazy with the farting. Are you talking about the cow oh, farts? Oh the cow farts. Cow are you farts, talking right? about cow farts, the methane? W W E Well, that too, right? I Well I always T a talk take digestive enzymes not to fart so much take on is it take talk about on farts. talk on l e v levels you always talk on levels right me so or frank people does. frank does. frank oh, so frank he's talking does. where the dying of farts thing, they're levels. So he maybe is a multiple one monies. level could be the house here. Another and then the other the level is the, the cow methane. Well in case level. people don't know what we're talking about, there's a because of the numbers of cows that are grown, you know, produced, yeah? Because of the um, meat compulsion that a lot of people have, there's so many cows are being created in the world to supply meat that they fart a lot when they're out there consuming whatever they're consuming, and then that creates a huge effect, right, in, in the ecosystem, right, in terms of gases and the greenhouse effect, right? So therefore, if we don't demand so much meat, you know, cows will become fewer in number, not take as much space up in the landscape, too, and not produce all kinds of horrible excrement that pollutes the environment. It's way out of balance. It's not that cows shouldn't exist, but the numbers are way, way more... And because, you know, so we'll also eliminate, we'll lower the greenhouse impacts, right? Mm. Don't you get that, right? That's what we meant, yeah. That's one level, right? That's the le one level. Talking about farts, there's this expression in Spanish. We're in a Latino, we're, there's a lot of Latino, a lot of Spanish speakers in this area around here. And there's a great expression a lot of people don't know in Spanish called, no hay pedo. And what that means, do you know what that means? No. no? Well... It means, the expression means no problem. There's no problem. Don't worry, no sweat, you know, no worries, right? But literally, it means, literally, no hay pedo means there is no fart. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think that's something everybody ought to learn in the world. No hay no pedo. No I'm saying it from now on. There you go. No hay pedo. No hay pedo! Yeah. No problem, man. No worries. Were they saying that Lion King movie... Makuna Kakata. No, I pedo. <laughs> no, I pedo. You, if you, if you don't, f, if you don't fart, you die. You are, you do have a problem. You end up developing a terrible bad breath, and you probably die. 
the bad breath is just an early sign that you're decaying, right? Because you're holding all that bad waste in, probably, right? You got to fart to live. How about that for an expression? You quote me on that. You got to fart to live. Right? My grandma used to say you have to eat a ton of dirt in your life. And I'm updating that to saying you got to fart to live. How's that? My kids would like that. It's a license anyway. It gives you a license, right? Well, for an interview about, it's mainly about, about food, our two, you know, uh, humorous diversions were, we're about have, poop. It's and called farts. scatological humor, and I don't want to take credit for the whole field of scatological humor or anybody to lay that on me because that's scatological. H. <laughs> hey. Hey. Would Will. Jay. Will John. T. No. R. Read. My poem. No, my C chapter. Uh, would you read aloud the chapter from Frank's novel that he's working on about yep. shitting? Okay. Um, cool. So let's see. I think if we got it out of the writings binder, that's the most accessible way to do it. And then let me... F do you know which one it is? It's in the front, and it's, it's a loose chapter in the back. It's, pro it's not the last one, it's the one before. Oh, maybe it is the last one. Is it the last one? Here, give, it to, give me both of them, I'll find it. Good this luck and good shit. This is quite a beautiful place here. This is a great place. Really interesting environment. It's kind of a black and white, kind of a gray kind of feel, kind of dull hair. Oh, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> One thing I got to say is that, like, I mean, or ask, is this, well, no, people can All see right, it's this not, is it. right? On the internet, right? It's people color, can it's see a color cavalcade. Everybody knows it's a color cavalcade. Yeah. yeah. All right, so does John, Which is you have a mic pages? hooked on to you, right? Yeah, no. I have a mic on. All right. So John's going to read, Mikey, right? He's all set. Oh, cheapers. All right. Hang on. Mm. I'm going to read, but I'm going to show you guys a new side of myself, okay? Glasses. Shush. <laughs> Who's a good guesser? <laughs> well, I just took mine off. <laughs> <laughs> Making their ta television debut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Can I get a... Oh. Look, oh. 19. Attacked by the ad man, I felt pale with rare expectations of closed caption of the best cherry malts. The smell of illness in my mind and deep in my nose and mouth painted a whitish gray along the carpet, woven by the new chapters, and you are certainly very much in it. Me? <laughs> Folks, <laughs> here's my canned rap on everything to make sure what time there is still on the social schizophrenic conditioning, I hope. This is not an easy read if you <laughs> You're doing good. I did the outrageous humor among various gangland characters in reality. It overturns their personal favorites from the last batch of wounded pride as possible under these strange sexual progressive unretainable 
terminal disorders of illness, especially the Icelandic dude of business. <laughs> he kept looking through the bullshitting and deep in algebraical calculations of X and other swag. <laughs> we will play dirty songs about experimental chopping away at life, including being told whatever Shelley whatever Shelley thought. She what was, was ambitious, unscrupulous, I'll tell you. Capable and deep opened before me. Okay, good, like always. Then she answered properly. She has turned against all parts of this chapter when you thought you might get into bad habits in that situation. What the fuck? <laughs> Couldn't find anything. Anyone that was totally lost from seeing sexy, broad undulations of this chapter. Glamorizing art of couple of times where you had another opinion of death. Play dirty growling noise music jam with raw sewage of passion. Madam, sing hymns about all together round and round. Move up anytime, actually work explicit ex eroticism whenever is necessary. Therefore, diversity all the way beyond imagination. Magnified everything else painted upon our knees. Trees sprang like shitting ugly. I believe that's what it says. <laughs> you guys are following this, right? Yes. Good. Follow along. How many times do you shit in a day? I mean, on average. What color and texture? Do you consider yourself regular? How much effort does it usually take? These are important questions. And how much time? I mean, does it slip right out? <laughs> right? Or grunting, moaning, <laughs> shouting, coaxing, gesturing, Screaming. long time? Or do you have to s just sit there waiting for channels to open the hatches and surprise you? Are you sitting on your pot waiting? Reading this? <laughs> I need to know these things so I can write chapters that fit your shit pattern. <laughs> That's a good market, right? Smart. How well does it usually smell? Wow. Wonder if you want to know about me. <laughs> Can I clog the bowl? Dark, smelly logs or mudslides usually? <laughs> Sorry about that. Usually three or four times a day. Usually takes about five minutes. Not really enough time to, to read. <laughs> My mind thought reaction is necessary to fill the bowels bowl. Dark, smelly logs upon examining my shit is a fun communal tribal <laughs> ritual around here. In case you wondered. Now we are getting to the gritty titty, a fun show. When I was a kid, I just made one deposit a, da a daily, usually in the morning. But now I shit three or four times a day. There's no right kind of regularity. I cannot shit under pressure. 
and I hate when it starts to come out, but then changes its mind midway and just hangs there until you squeeze it into half halfway. The hanging turd limply, limply splashes into the water and the stubborn half goes back into your bowels, giving you an unsavory, unsatisfactory, uncomfortable fullness all day. Pushing on your heart and lungs until you can finally finish your business. <laughs> and besides, cutting off midstream, so to speak, makes for a very messy wipe. <laughs> With a lot of trees cut down. That's right, man. A lot of trees cut yeah. down. So that your asshole isn't itchy and smelly. <laughs> But you cannot go around all day with the log sticking out of your inner <laughs> asshole. Yeah, that's right. It would stink the place up. Yeah. There were years when people didn't wipe my asshole <laughs> that, that good. Oh, yeah. This is the truth, I'm sure. But they thought cripples had a special funky smell. <laughs> yeah. Like blacks. It says it right there, in case you're wondering. I'm not improving there at all. Yeah, it's telling like it is, right? Wow. That's pretty far out, man. And, and to clarify, I'm reading Frank Poem 19. Yeah, but they thought cripples had a, sp I'll go, I'll start a, you know, a special funky smell. Cripple, they but they thought cripples. Cripples and blacks. They thought cripples had a special funky smell like blacks. It's a wonder that people hung around with me. Playing with me. Ah, when I believed once a day was what being regular should be. Well, sometimes I didn't make it. Had to sit in it. And it... <laughs> and even then, I had a great social life. <laughs> <laughs> Fart away! Let it rip! Brown clouds bellowing up anytime, actually. <laughs> but how are you sure it will be just a fart wart? A fart waft through your asshole and not more solid or liquid. Where does that self-confidence to let it rip come from? I mean, sometimes we're wrong. But, but letting it rip definitely much healthier than holding it in. By the way, ever notice that sexy female students produce the most deathly stupor <laughs> farts? Is that right? You should research this. Uh, I'd like to hang out. I like. To, I no, it says that, that. It says that in the in the poem. Oh, it says that. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> it's not directly about sexy it. research uh, graduate students yep. at UC Berkeley or something like that. Wherever right? you like. Wherever I like. It's, I like that UC Berkeley. Is and good. what's up with a lot of guys not being too. able to get their piss into the bowl? <laughs> they miss by several inches, and they don't even notice. <laughs> They just leave without mopping up. And I'm not just talking about in punk dives and truck stops, but in middle-class homes with shag rugs. I know that the flow often squirts differently, and the pressure varies. 
and all kinds of arousing unknowns come into play, <laughs> so to speak. Impossible to calculate, but look down upon it and clean up after yourself. Yeah, it's a good idea, man. Hey, good. you're not the crip. I am. Good right. reading, John. Good one. Good one. Glad you like the cookies. Glad you like the cookies, Baker. And all kinds of arousing cookies. And all the all kinds of arousing things that never are talked about. You thought you were alone, didn't you? Well, we are all mended together. Nobody admits openly that rubbing an itchy asshole can produce much more zippy pleasure than any <laughs> orgasm, especially if you use witch hazel. <laughs> I think Frank meant to insert, try this at home. <laughs> Wonder what will be good. revealed in the next episode. Mm. Chapter. Mm. That was great. That was good. That was fun. Dude, oh, 19. 19 forever. <laughs> 19 forever. It's like 18 till I die. Yeah. <laughs> you know about that song, 18 till I die? Did we talk about that song? We did. You and me. Yeah, but I haven't, he- I haven't heard it. That's a great song by Brian Adams. Anyway, oh, don't want to distract me. That was great. And uh, I feel like saying something in response to that, may I? As, you're if I, if, as long as I don't have to pull your finger. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. But it's, a, I mean, it's something that like seems so elementary, but maybe sometimes people need to hear it from someone else, you know? I never knew about this for most of my life. I'm 51 now, and I mean, it's been a number of years now since I raised babies, you know, and children, you know, but like, man, you know, like you can use your hand, man, and you can like put some hot water on it. I hope I'm not grossing anybody not out. not shaking his hands <laughs> no, no. after the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but you know, I, I take responsibility for it by making sure I do a thorough cleaning afterwards, you know. I mean, and this is, I mean, people people don't realize that it's not that dirty if you it's, I mean it can be really bad news poop feces but fresh feet I mean I hope I'm not going too far here but no, speak I'm not. right I'm to really the camera not. I'm really not I'm really not yeah I'm show really your face when you're saying this here's my fingers they're clean okay but I pay attention to what I'm doing the thing is raising the kids naturally you come to realize poop is a part of life where well, a lot of us grew up highly neurotic you know and like it's really that's one of the chief neuroses I learned through doing primal therapy way back when was like pee and poop a lot of our parents taught us this is really evil even stuff, this pee and poop stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it's actually not. It's part of our basic functions of, as animals in nature, yeah. right? So, like, I learned that through ch- raising children. You know, that's when I got initiated into the reality that, hey, it's not that bad after all, you know? You can even get it all over your fingers. You can just wash it off with hot water and a decent soap, and it's like as good, you're, as good to, you're good to go. And it's not a problem. <laughs> as long as you, know, you really are. It's not a problem. It's not going to kill you Thanks, to have man. poop on your hands. You Thanks. Know? I appreciate it. Well, it's important, though, because we can stave a lot of trees. We okay. have to cut down all these trees. There, you uh, are. I got, there it is. You see that, man? There it is. You see? I touched yeah. it. I just did it as recently about eight hours ago this morning in my hotel in San Pablo. I, I used that hand to wipe my butt, but I cleaned <laughs> right? I did, right? But I cleaned my hand really well. Several times. Lance from Schizo threw up in that hand. <laughs> I really have cleaned my hand well afterwards. I, I would never do that if I had shit on my hand That's still. That's what Lance said, too. No, what? no, no, no. I, you got no shit Who? for me just now. Not that Who was? Who C-L-E cleans the B-I-B-O-W bowl at... 
your house. <laughs> ramen? Who, oh, yeah. who cleaned the bowl at ramen? I do. Now, no, now I'm not there. Where? Nobody cleans Where? Nobody cleans the toilet at ramen. That's what they're saying. You were the now one that did What's it? Ramen? Did it yeah. Burnt ramen is the um, uh, club, yeah. I don't know, that, that John venue. ran venue. for a while. Oh. And the... Pardon me. I... And the... R, no, and the T, O, toilet, was, A, P, L, E, G, I, little, no, uh, I'm sorry, was, was a light, no, was a, what, L, was a L, E, G illegal? No, was a legal? No, L E G. I'm sorry, L E G. A legacy to future generations. I. Legend. 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 Was a legend. The toilet was a legend. That was in our opening. The toilet was in the opening for the going deep to the court ramen. Well, one thing I wanted to say that occurred to me just now is that, you see, when you live on mainly a plant-based diet, and particularly if you either emphasize or you devote yourself exclusively to organically produced um, foods that you're consuming, you live a good, clean life, mainly, mainly vegan, if not exclusively vegan, and, you, you know, good, clean, quality foods, then, you know what, you can end up wiping your, your butt with your hand and then cleaning it and not being too concerned, whereas if you're uh, consuming lots of toxic uh, substances, uh, foods with GMO and with like you know bad chemicals and with all kinds of other things like that, additives and food color dyes and all kinds of bizarre things you could never pronounce. You know, like you know, if you have those things coming through your you know through your system, then you don't want to get that stuff on your hands. You know, but it's not that bad actually. If you eat normal, natural sub products, foods, you could actually wipe your butt with your hand and clean it afterwards and not be too worried. On, show me your hands. On, in, no, on that, on that note. Note. A, I, word, a word from our sponsors. I, no, on that note, H, E, hey, hey, T, A, M, O, R, I N I got, I didn't get it. I'm sorry. On that note, hey, T A M T A M O R I N Tamarine 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 M a and Mr. Oh, Tambourine, Tambourine Man. Man. Can we do that? that? I'd love to do that. Dude, I can't play that song. Really? But uh, I can I can play. do it like Dylan yeah, did. I can do it like Cantorial. version of it. Well, we can do that. <laughs> the other thing is that I got a background in, not I trained form, words. but it's the Cantorial tradition of Judaism. You want a mic? Or you can sing it a So frankly, I can do it just give him But this? I'd love to have you accompany if you could. And the thing we were talking about was, you don't have to do it this way, but Gregory Isaac. I feel so bad that, you know, since Dylan's death and all, Dylan's death? What is that about? Yeah. Did you hear? No. 
Are you kidding me? Yeah. I've been out of the loop. Yeah, no, no, on that plane with the with the with the Richie Valens and the Big Bopper. He Wait, went who down. are you talking about? Who did? He died a long time who ago. Who did? Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh. Dylan, a long time. This is interesting. Punk rock. Sorry. Okay. I say that to my friends from Woodstock, and it's like fighting words. No, but you know what? I always wonder. I mean, this is. I'm going to admit something. I don't. I haven't really told people this before. There have been some times in my life where, for whatever reason, I'm not saying it was right. Obviously, it wasn't right. But where I started to think enough about death, where for whatever reason I thought, well, if I were going to hear about anybody dying, that would be a kind of like a earth-shattering thing. Now that John Lennon died back in uh-huh. '80, it would be that one day I might open up a newspaper online or somewhere, pick it up somewhere, and it would have the headline: Bob Dylan dead. Yeah. Yeah. I live that nightmare too. I've wondered about. It has been a while since I've thought it, you know. But been every trying once to invoke it for a long time. No, people, I haven't. You've been people trying to don't it. think it's funny. What? People don't think it's funny when you make fun of Bob Dylan being dead. I'm not oh, making yeah. fun. I I'm not you. making fun. No, I'm saying that once in a while when I've been thinking that's about my twisted humor. Okay, that's folks. your twisted humor. Yeah. Okay, but I, mean, I have wondered at times cool. if I might. Don't yeah. do that at home. No, yeah. no, no. By the way, there's this book that Timothy Leary wrote. Did anybody know about that book that he wrote in the late 80s, around 8080? He published it about, which had a major character named Dylan in it. And, um, and it, was, it was an interesting book. Um, yeah, anyway, Mr. Tambourine Man, yeah? This was inspired by my listening to this thing. I got turned on, short story, when I was in Nottingham, England, at this peace conference called the Peace News UK Conference National Winter Gathering. At this wonderful place I want to tune the world into called the Sumac Center in Nottingham, which is um, kind of like this peace center that's um, run by these people who named Pat and his associates with this thing called Veggies UK that you can Google, Veggies UK. And they're amazing what they've been doing the last 25 years. Um, and they got the Sumac Center. So we went to this conference. Keith was a keynote, one of the main speakers there. And this was just a couple nights after the Northampton Big Food Fight UK event. And... Um, and we were turned on. I was given a gift of a copy of this um, uh, reggae Dylan collection where they had like a lot of the well-known Dylan songs and other lesser-known Dylan songs performed by reggae artists. Mm-hmm. It was one of those nice collections. So I got, I've been listening. Yeah. It's a great we thing. It's wonderful. It's called yeah. Is It Rolling Bob? It's a play on yeah. rolling a doobie, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that's a line from an early Dylan album. Is it rolling Bob? They said, you know. So anyway, the bottom line is I've been listening to this Gregory Isaacs rendition of Mr. Tambourine on my, on my iPhone today, walking around Oakland. So I, that's what inspired this. So anytime. So you start singing, and okay. then and we'll... Water. Let me check on the water. I need some. Is that so possible? I can, so I can hear okay. you, Keenan. I'll try, I'll try and accompany. Thank you. Good water with lemon. Organic you know, lemon I have a hard from the tree here. These, these, these Meyer lemon. I had one in Oakland on 46th so and Market. I lived briefly in 88. We had a Meyer lemon tree, too, in the front yard. Good eating in this Bay Area. I hadn't been here 20 plus years, and man, there was always good eating back in the old days, but man, the food's still good here. Yeah, I can say that. Place. This place called Razan's Organic Kitchen. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I love that place now. Okay. Are we starting? And yeah. T- well, I'm, yeah, water he was going to deliver, but if, that's okay. I can start. Let me get into this. Okay. To me, Dylan, because he comes from this long line of Jewish cantors, that's, I think Dylan most likely would say, yeah, you know, I think so. Anyway, that yeah, he's a cantor. He's in, which means, you know, in, in a chanter, you know. So here we go. I'm going to let him, okay, there, I'm going to take one more sip. Yeah, this is, I'll mention, I'd like to say about this cup, man. Love Underground 
visionary, love underground, visionary, revolution, like lover, right? Or L-U-V-E-R.com, which is this thing that everybody's already tuned into. They got these cups that are really nice, man. Online at lover.com. No, you could probably have several anyway for 60 bucks. But then there's these t shirts that I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what's on there for sale, but apparently there's a lot of good things. They're artful things, too. I'm going to drink a little more water, then we'll get into this. But to me, the Mr. Tambourine Man, whether people have known it all these years or not, is many things, but among other things, it's, it's a chant in the Jewish tradition of chanting to the spirit. It's calling certain things in. Yeah, it's really healing to me, this song. And I've always found it to be that way. And in college, mm -hmm. I made a point of memorizing the words to the best of my ability. I still am going to use some lyrics sheets, which we printed out from Dylan.com. You can click on any song, pretty much, you know, and find the lyrics. So Dylan.com It's a good resource. Hold on a second, please. I've got to put in a plug for a concept I've been promoting for some years now. I call it the following. I used to see this in the Bay Area. It was at this place down the Telegraph or somewhere, okay? It was this African woman, traditional woman, dressed with it, African clothing, dancing. And it said, if you can talk, you can sing. Remember this one? If you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. So um, I love that. If you can talk, you can sing. If you can walk, you can dance. And to me, what that means is everybody pretty much. Yeah. I can do... I can do both. Mm. Yeah, we all pretty much, I think everyone can. Yeah. Sing and dance. Frank can sing and dance. Yeah. So my point, like I'm trying to get across, we all can, right? We all can sing. Even if those of us who, yeah, we all can sing. Anyway. Yeah, you can. I know you can. Here we go, right? We're going to do it. We're all going to do it right now. Here we go. Okay. I'll try my best. Please forgive me. It's not, it's not, it's not my best. Night. Okay, thank you so much. Loving it? Well, Frank's going to start if you don't. Oh, okay, here we go. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Though I know that evening's empire is returning to sand, vanished from my hand, left me blindly here to stand, but still not sleeping. My weariness amazes me, I'm branded on my feet, I have no one to meet. And the ancient empty streets do dead for dreaming. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Take a lead. Can you do that or not? No, I can't. Okay, here we go. We'll just pause for a moment here, though, okay? Okay, here we go. Take me on a trip upon your magic swirling ship. My senses have been stripped. 
My hands can't feel to grip My toes too numb to step Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering Here it is I'm ready to go anywhere I'm ready for to fade Into my own parade Cast your dancing spell my way I promise to go any wandering Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me in the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Okay, we're gonna go. Though you may hear laughing, spinning, swinging madly across the sun, it's not aimed at anyone. It's just escaping on the run. And but for the sky, there are no fences facing. And if you hear vague traces of skipping reels of rhyme To your tambourine in time It's just a ragged clown behind I wouldn't pay it any mind It's just a shadow you're seeing that he's chasing Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Hold on, he's just strum for a little bit, yeah? Okay, here we go. Then take me disappearing through the smoke rings of my mind Down the foggy runes of time Far past the frozen leaves The haunted frightened trees Out to the windy beach Far from the twisted reach Of crazy sorrow Yes, to dance beneath the diamond sky With one hand waving free Silhouetted by the sea, circled by the circus sands, with all memory and fate, driven deep beneath the waves. Let me forget about today until tomorrow. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. Pretty darn good, man. That always works, right? Right on, man. That was good. Good times. Beautiful. That's what everybody could do, anytime. Any time of day or night. N. Yeah. Um, J K. Okay. No. N. O. Now. J. No, now. O. 
U our H I T hits. Now our hits. Yeah. Hmm? John and John <coughs> have a couple hit songs. Oh, cool. They do. Beautiful. Great. What uh, what what songs do you want to sing, Frank? What do you want to start with? No, C. Crack Baby. Crack Baby. I heard about one, I think. You heard about that? From thing? somewhere, somehow. I heard about that, I think. Maybe. I saw this guy. I saw this guy on a stage in Woodstock, New York, at a field called Andy Lee Field up by the Woodstock Cemetery, Rock City Road, back in around 94 or 5, playing at some benefit concert. It's the only time I ever heard him sing before was that day, and it was great, man.
seen anything like that since the last time I saw you perform at that thing at the Andy Field. That might have been the last most intense thing I've ever seen uh, as far as a performance goes. Pretty amazing. Wow. I could go, I promise I'll sit down on the toilet and to pee. <laughs> 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 I, just, I think I think with an entry like that, he should pee outside. Oh, I'll do that. That's my always my preference. But I, I'm feeling in, like it's probably on YouTube. What do you want to do? Or else I can wait. I can wait if I need to. But if, but I kind of like feeling like I need to. Hmm? Is that I think it? We're running close to. If we're almost. Oh, if we're, then that's fine. One, Whatever. Hmm? One more. One more. Oh, one more song I can do. Quick song. Quick no song. no okay. problem. No problem. I can okay. handle Make that. Make this one really fast. Yep. Oh, well, listen, no, I could take some time now that I know it's you know, fairly soon. That's okay. No problem, no problem. I do want to say that I learned the past couple of years that sitting down in the toilet is a smart thing, not just for women. It helps. If you think about it, if all the guys, or not all, but a lot more guys, sat down, then it, we'd have a lot less cleaning products needed. I, you do, and I do. I sit down a lot, too. I started doing it the last couple of years. I live with an 11-year-old who also pees on the seat, so I Paying attention to the poem I read today because it's really a pain in the ass when we get up and have to go to the pool. Yeah. It helps. He is all over the seat, okay? Yeah. I know you're 11 and you're experimenting with your sword fighting capabilities and all, but. But. <laughs> Lightsaber. Many times where we've had to clean the bathroom. Oh. People pee on your seat too, oh. huh? And then poop. 
poop was on your seat? Okay, okay, let's not get into this too much again, okay? This is our, this is our third diversion into the poop factory. Why is it that's, why is it though that that is how people like get hung up on? I know you probably want to do Fascist USA, but we probably should do Fistfuck just to ream it out. Fistfuck? Let's do, let's do Fistfuck. I like, let's do Fistfuck. Oh, this is a sing-along. Okay. You know, back in Woodstock, you've been there, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of a, a nice t small town, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a mountain town. We like to sit around the campfire, mm -hmm. right? Or the green. Yeah, sit around and sing songs. This mm -hmm. one's, I'll teach it to you. <laughs> it's fist fuck. Fist fuck the Pope. Everybody together. Oh, wow. Here we go. Sing it like you just don't care. You got to put your fist in the air when you sing it, Roger. Mm -hmm. That's right. Fist fuck. Do I really want to do that though? <clears throat> or is there a female in somewhere in that organization? Like, this isn't mind? necessarily about literally, uh, not literally. Okay. Good times. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'll go along with. It. I'm gonna go along. I'm gonna go with the flow. Ready? Ready. One, two. Why can't do the racist Joe Biden? Got no future. Miss fuck the Pope. We're on our way to Rome. It ain't no joke. We're way to Rome to miss fuck the Pope. Fist fuck. Fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck. Fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck. Fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck. Never had a problem if I couldn't cope. When I can't deal, fist fuck the Pope. We're running around and ain't no joke. We're away to Rome and ain't no joke. We're away to Rome and fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck, fist fuck, everybody. Fist fuck, fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck, fist fuck the Pope. Fist fuck, fist fuck. Got one last chance. Fist fuck the Pope. You don't miss your chance. I know you, you were viewers at home. Here we go. Ready? Here goes. This fuck, this fuck the Pope. This fuck, this fuck the Pope. This fuck, this fuck the Pope. This fuck. What? Who are you? Tell tell the viewers who you are. Me? Yeah. Roger Sussman. That's one name. I go by Roger Lee Sussman. Raj Sussman. Sometimes people call me that. Uh, more than that, what I do, or what more would you where I'm from? Well, or I think he wants to recap. To, know who to you recap, are. I'm Roger Sussman. Yes. Um, I have a company. Hmm? Do you want anything more than that? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell. I mean, I'll tell more. I'll tell Don't. more than that. Hmm? Don't, Don't be bashful. G O. Don't go. Google. Google. Don't Google him. Don't Google me, no, for good reasons. Yes, Frank has a good reason. Oh, I might be the same reason I'd say not to, but no. then people are going to want to. If you tell right. people not to do something, then they're going to want to do it. So I'm not sure what you're getting to. But I, hmm, did you do that? And you found out. You, and you probably and found out about Sussman versus person. Sussman, yes, right? Sussman first, versus Sussman. Is that. I ask so. people, actually, if anybody wants to help with this, to go ahead. Yeah, how is that? Who? Interesting story. I'll tell that story if you'd like to. I'll go on about that. What is that? One, two, three I already three passed people? the need to urinate. I already need past that part. Uh, so I'm good again. <laughs> so I mean that happens. You know, the bladder changes. Good punk rock you do that. You stretch it and stuff, and then it doesn't need to. You move. Oh well, that's an interesting thing. I'll tell you. I got really, really, essentially, it was a form of tortured by the state of Hawaii, because the governor there appointed a judge who should never have been appointed. It was cronyism, okay? And, and that governor is the current governor. She's cronies with George W. Bush 
and Dick Cheney and all those guys, right? Well, she had a direct effect on my life and my whole family because she appointed a crony of hers who, according to everybody who knows about this stuff, should never have been a family court judge in the state of Hawaii, Maui County, Second Circuit Court. And I got dragged in through, you know, I'll say it straight talk, you know, a woman who lost her balance of her perspective who, with whom I created children and stuff like that. Well, in marriage, it's called, you know. So, um, you know, so what happened was um, I got really like, it was like the book by Franz Kafka called The Trial, where this innocent, pretty much innocent guy gets dragged into this court building by some guards, and he has no idea why this is happening. They made a movie. Orson Welles made a famous movie that he started and directed called The Trial. And um, that's what kind of happened to me is that I got dragged through this divorce court system where I was treated extremely poorly, almost subhumanly, as a male and as the guy who was put in the defensive, as a defendant. And that's ending up being what, when people Google me, it used to be articles about bamboo and about organic farming in Hawaii and about all these amazing other things I wrote about for the alternative press there. But then, and the, and the super fairy fiasco scandal that this same governor was involved in with the defense forces of the, United, the, the industrial, military industrial complex, very direct links. It was amazing stuff that went on. The island of Kauai, I'm telling you a lot in a small amount of time here, but the, I mean, you know, rushing all this, but the island of Kauai rejected in a really grassroots way this whole super fairy thing that was really about the militarization of Hawaii and the world by the U.S. government or the people behind the U.S. government, uh, the neoconservatives and all those people. And the bottom line is that there's a great book by Jerry Mander and someone else about the Super Fairy fiasco scandal that you can Google. If you Google Super Fairy and put Jerry Mander's name in there, um, that's the main book that's been written. But I was early on involved in all that stuff, writing about it. I might have been the first even who wrote a big article about it for the Haleakala Times of Maui. Anyway, in Maui, I was the first who wrote about it. Anyway, the point is that nowadays, though, if you Google my name, all these articles have disappeared, actually. A lot of them, not all of them. But the majority of them have disappeared. I don't understand why that is. That's interesting wow. in itself. And yeah. then on top of that, this divorce court thing that I got majorly was distorted. It was lies. It was all these things made up. Even though they conflicted with each other, if you read enough of it, there's all these conflicts saying, on the one hand, I'm literally insane, they said. And right. on the other hand, I mean, that, that I'm extremely capable. They were saying all these different things. I'm insane. But I'm also capable. And I because, should have Googled them first. And because I was capable, I, I should pay all this money out that I didn't even have, right? right? I never even had the money to begin with. It was, it, was, it was literally about as insane as you could go without utterly becoming insane, but having the state impose this whole insane identity and then all these other rape versions of raping me as a personality, as an individual. It's really interesting. And who put it up? Was it the judge? Well, with the, the state of Hawaii, apparently, they may have done something more that, than the normal thing that happens. But the thing is, what happened is that, um, you know, they report these things. It's, it's public domain information, I believe, at least it's supposed to be in theory, that if the court does something in a public, in state court, it gets published online. But it but I seems don't know. like that's, that's the, like, I can see having it available if in public domain you want to go if you and find it. it. If you want to go but find to it. have it be the thing that pops up as first the first thing, thing in first your thing name should not seems be like a little different a than just being available. It feels like a violation. Right. I feel really violated because, and especially because it's false information largely. No, because Google is, is also um, revenue driven now. It's not even content driven. So I bet, I bet that they are paying for their placement. It. Well, someone might be. It, it's interesting. It will. Mm -hmm. It would. Will. It could. Mm -hmm. F. U. Fuck. Fuck up. 
your my work. Yeah, that's what we thought. If you're going for a job and somebody Google's you, sure, it seems like sure. what people do now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fortunately, the first I'm not. Thing. Depi- yeah, fortunately, yeah. That's a reality. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody had. I wish I had an asterisk and said, by the way, this is fucked up, lying information, mm-hmm. right? right? That could be even being created to uh, divert you from what I'm really doing. Right. Right. That's a possibility. But even if it were true. It's Even if it were true, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be available shouldn't right be in so people's face. It shouldn't like be available. That. And right. my thought, but it might not even work, is I just thought of this a couple of months ago, um, that maybe the thing to do would be as many people as possible who wanted to help. Maybe if this is the way it works, if they hit on every other last thing that is listed lower down, in a, you know, uh, if they clicked on it enough, it might move other th- articles up according to the logarithm or whatever it's called, the algorithm, whatever the thing's called, the Google things come out by, that maybe it would push the divorce court business, Sussman versus Sussman, way down, but maybe not, but maybe it'd put other things ahead so people wouldn't see that divorce court scandal I, bullshit, pardon my language, thing first, you know. I it's crazy. Could, it's amazing. I could do, I could do, I could, no, do, I don't, S, E, C, I don't see, why, it, would, be, the, M, O, most P O P popular P. Why would people read about me and my divorce? I'm sorry, is that why, what you're getting? Why at? would be the most popular link? Article. Why would be the one that comes up first? Yes. Money. That, well, Somebody's paying actually, for it. Somebody may be. I'll tell you what happened, man. Because we got time or no? We were like, limiting like, because like a MySpace limit? link goes as high up in the ranking. A lot of times, you know, if you have a MySpace, it'll go up ahead of your own website. That might be sometimes. that they're paying that. That's because yeah. MySpace pays for their Could ads. Be that. I well, mean, that's, pays for their no, placement. There are, there are You're not talking about the, the, um, the paid. sponsored thing. No. You're talking about just yeah. the regular stuff that comes yeah. up. About right. a year and a half ago, Google right. went to revenue-driven... Right. What? Yeah, the other searches. thing is it uses Roger Sussman, like, a million times. So Which, what does? The, the article. Thing. So it has key, key words. Yeah, key word is like so prominent oh. that, that it comes up at the top of the, you know, the okay. hit list. Okay. No, but yeah. it didn't always. Okay. Yeah. There were a lot of other articles in there that have virtually or entirely vanished from cyberspace. And that's the part I don't get. Because, see, I wrote a ton of articles for the Haleakala Times alternative paper on Maui that a lot of people all over read and got reproduced even, articles about politics, about, about bamboo as a, as a very important, you know, um, sub, uh, substance or resource, you know. I wrote many articles about a lot of different things, and I can't find them. I was trying to find the article about bamboo on Maui. Guess what? You can't even find it. I went through pages and pages and pages and pages. What happened to those articles? They're gone. I don't know. I can't understand how that can be. It doesn't. It's not consistent with what I know about how the internet's supposed to work or how it used to. Well, unless who who, who posted the article? Well, I'll tell you what happened because this is interesting. It, and it ties in with the story of food not bombs and Keith. I never got this. Do we have still time? Do we have any limits I on the time? I don't know. We have some time. How much time do we have? 
All right, so we have a little bit of time. Okay, five minutes I? maybe. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because this is kind of, I'll try my best. I'll do my, and I'll succeed, I know, to a large extent, to tie a lot of things together quickly. Um, see, now, I've learned through hanging out with this guy Keith McHenry enough, especially recently more, touring with him and stuff, listening to his talks stuff, and having a lot of conversations with him in private when we're not out in front of public, um, about the suppression that's occurred of Food Not Bombs and Keith in particular, but many, many different people in Food Not Bombs. According to Keith, and the more I hear it, the more, and the more I understand about the way things work, it kind of it makes a lot of sense. So I'll tell the story that there's been a heck of a lot of government infiltration of, um, especially the FBI, Keith says, of, of Food Not Bombs groups all over, and um, discrediting especially him and Food Not Bombs volunteers. You know, and a lot of this has come, according to Keith, you know, uh, from the military-industrial complex uh, companies in particular. He has a list of, he has documents, actually, like Freedom of Information, I believe, released documents about, you know, with taped conversations with board of directors of big corporations that are military-industrial suppliers, you know, um, saying, we got to get rid of food, not bombs. You know, we don't like people out in public, you know, talking about these things and trying to convince the general public population that really maybe we shouldn't have so many food and bombs, pardon me, and we should have more food <laughs> emphasized, you know? So, um, you know, now it could be, Keith's claim is that if you start to um, act up, you know, or act out, you know, if you start to do good work, that, you know, that sometimes you'll attract the wrath of some of these people or the displeasure, and they will do what they can, because that's what they like to do, to discredit you or somehow shut you down. Now, there was these people, when I started to write about the um, phenomenon of the super ferry on Maui, uh, and I also wrote about a group called Maui Tomorrow. Now, that, last time I checked, could still be found. If you Google Roger Sussman Maui Tomorrow, uh, you should still, on the Maui Tomorrow website, uh, come up with my history of Maui Tomorrow that was written several years ago that was published in the Haleakala Times. They've got a reprinted version of it on the MauiTomorrow.org or something like that. If you Google Maui Tomorrow website, it's a good good article and um and the thing is that that combined with my super ferry articles those two articles combined at least were enough for this right-wing paper based on the big island the hawaii reporter um i don't know if it exists still but it did for a while a number of years ago um they started writing these articles which were blasting the people who were objecting to the super ferry and everything that it was related to which is a lot but they were blasting the objections to it and also, they specifically, it was really surprising, and after a while it got to be actually kind of humorous, but also actually to my advantage in a certain way, because um, they were claiming that I was, A, the leader of Maui Tomorrow, which I wasn't, but I was, it wouldn't be a bad thing to do. I was a leader in a sense, you know, but I was by no means, in their, even in their leadership structure, I was actually a journalist writing about this, you know. But then, um, I, in addition, uh, they claimed uh, that I, because it's something I said in the, in the story about uh, Maui Tomorrow, about raising funds from George Harrison, the concept I had, because he was a part-time Maui resident in Ahiku, near Hana. And I had a concept of raising money. I still would like to do it for everybody out there to raise a heck of a lot more money to make Maui tomorrow have a lot more resources. But I got majorly discredited through this conservative voice that was posing as a mainstream Hawaii, you know, representative of Hawaiian people, population's feelings, you know, which wasn't true. I mean, it was like, you know, and it was drastically distortive 
And, you know, this is what can happen. So I don't know the answer, but the interesting thing is that the scandalous thing that happened in the state court, which was really a horror, that's a whole other subject that I could talk about and I might have to write a book about or a series of articles about how a guy can be dragged through and victimized, not victimized, but tortured in a sense, um, and have his family, you know, really have some stuff happen. Thank goodness things are getting better and better uh, now with, with what's happened with me and my family. But um, boy, is that a horror story what happened there. And that's what is, is highlighted if you Google my name nowadays. Mm. But, but if you just read that alone, you can go, God, you know, this guy, you might not like, you might not, you know, you might be prejudiced against me if you read it unfairly. And so that's good. It's interesting they brought that up. I appreciate that. It's, a, it's not a good thing. You know, I wish to, and you shouldn't have to deal with that because what if anybody wants to write something bad about you and in some way it gets emphasized and bumped up the list of Google and then that's the first thing that people look at and they go and they base their judgment of you on that first impression. And, hmm? and how that came about, I don't it, know. Hmm? It is a O F F I official. It has that official. It has thing. this official thing, so it's authoritative or something like that. And actually, it's full of crap. I mean, that thing, if you really heard the story of what happened with me in this court system and the whole background thing about the governor appointing this person, all that, what happened in that thing, as recently as very recently, I was back in there in the court system over there just this past month for a variety of reasons. I had to go back. I promised myself I'd never go back again. But guess what? If a person starts attacking you, if you're put on the defensive, they initiate something. I learned this a little bit a long time ago through something, but I really found out. You can be put into the system against your will with no, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, but you can get dragged into it by somebody else initiating something, and it can last for either years or maybe even forever that this stuff can, or not forever, but for your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we have something beyond even this lifetime, but, you know, but at least that's a long time for the rest of your life and this life. Yeah, man, just people can do that. You know, that's an option. It's bad news, but that can happen, as a lot of people have found, right? Through, you know, it's unfortunately the way that things are, you know? A. Will. K. I. E. Keith. Keith McKeith. Will Keith C. O. Come on um. the show? I'll suggest it, and I, w I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll suggest it to him. I'll be seeing him tomorrow in Grass Valley. Keith McHenry, in case anybody's up in that Nevada County area, he's going to be at the Center for the Arts uh, speaking, telling the story uh, tomorrow night at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley, downtown Grass Valley, 7.30 p.m. tomorrow. I bet you tickets are still available to help pay for this ongoing work. To yeah, be a big help. And, right and he's available, too. You. Foodnotbombs.net. Did you... Like the S show? H. Did you this like show? the show tonight? I love this show. I'm converted now. Whenever I can, I'll be watching. Why? I'll be letting why, people know, too. Why did you like it? Why did I like it? Well, for one thing, you guys are what I call and Tommy Chong calls. I'll have to take a breath for a second here to come up with the right inflection, man. But I call this stuff far out, man. This show, this whole thing is far out, man. I got to do thanks to you all, including this cat, John the Baker here, for hooking us up. And now I'll be doing everything I can, which shouldn't be a heck of a lot, to get Keith McHenry hooked up with this. And I can send people your way, you know, 
because yes. I like to connect. You yes, know? do and that. I'll, I'll do that. I'll help you in any way I can. Mm. Uh, this stuff is what... Now, I got a whole thing. I'm going to put in a quick plug for it now. This whole thing called Tommy Chong Healing Systems International, which Tommy Chong doesn't even know about. Tommy, if you're out there, man, or friends of Tommy, let Tommy know. Tommy Chong Healing Systems International is one of the most profound discoveries of my lifetime. Nice. So we'll talk about it more, hopefully, some other time. And maybe I can bring Tommy Chong on the show. Would, would you like that? Yes. I'd like that myself. Yes. Right yes. on. Fire out, man. <laughs> wow, we, man. We just watched... We just watched a movie about him. Was about him or featuring him? It was a documentary about, about Tommy him. Chong. And I this heard whole, about this, um, the whole bong yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd like to watch that. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, you know, I'm aware of it. But that guy, to me, along with Willie Nelson, I think those two guys, I never got to say that. Remember before I was talking about presidential pairings, right? Right. Well, they're the ultimate pair in my book so far to date. See, I, vote, I say vote for Willie for president and Tommy Chong for vice president. And that's, it's a potent beyond. And then, S hmm? E E C Y. Secretary? I oh. have two. See why Frank does a two hour show? Oh, yeah. It's not even enough time. No, but. Yeah, no, it's good. It, no, it could be more. Nice. I used to do a show on Manao Radio in Maui, which is a great station, manaoradio.com. Anyway, I, I played around with the time lengths. It's a tricky issue, but, you know, whatever you choose. It worked out well tonight. fact is I do need to urinate at some point in my lifetime. In my lifetime, anyway. All right, so you know? do you want, would John, know, should John tell people who he is, too? Who? John the Baker? Yes, John, tell well, yeah. people who people you don't are. People know who I am. Well, you would think they do. I'm John the Baker. Frank's longtime friend. In relationship to food, when I first came to California, Frank, mm. Linda, Mikey, Corey, Alexi got organic produce together oh. once a week and brought really? it to me to take cool. care of me so I could, um. you know, volunteer at Alternative Tentacles and for all, uh, Burt Ramen and Life is Abuse Records. And uh, they took care of me and, and nurtured me. Right. Doing that uh, same thing we talked about, getting right. the food yeah. that the they take off the shelves. And I got to, I'm sorry, can I say something that's else? That's me. Okay, that's John <laughs> the Baker. Plus, he used to, I don't know which years you're talking about, but in, at least when I was in Woodstock, New York, for the four years I was there from 92 to, ni or 92 to 95, he was around. I heard about him. But then, man, I saw him this one time and he blew me out with the memories of the, um, the performance. I do want to say this one thing, if you don't mind my getting back, since I'm not the guy, really, that's portrayed in that Sussman versus Sussman case that's at the top of the Google. I've been in the organic foods trade and the natural foods trade in the world of getting people hooked up with nature through food, which is an important link, you know, through ingesting stuff that, uh, for a long time. And it, it's psychedelic, actually natural food that's well-grown well, or wild or grown or whatever that grows naturally is psychedelic inherently. We are psychedelic beings, but, so back to that theme. But, but anyway, even cats you, are psychedelic. But mm. you need to piss. No, I'm cool. <laughs> I just eventually in my lifetime. In my lifetime. All right, do, so we I do, do have to quit. Okay, so, cool. Um, Aloha is a good word, by the way. You know who everybody is. Good night. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> Aloha.